Why is the cross so important to the apostles and to the early church? Is the cross important to us in the 21st century? And if so, in what ways is it important? This morning I'm going to consider the cross and its relationship to suffering, saintliness or holiness, submission and sacrificial love. The reading for this morning is taken from the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, commencing at verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls firstly the cross a reminder of the suffering of Christ in verse 21 700 years before the birth of Jesus prophet Isaiah foretold the suffering that Jesus would undergo. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting, Isaiah 50 and verse 6. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their voice, hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53 Jesus was called to face suffering which culminated at his trial and crucifixion. Jesus' whole life was a life that was uh, familiar with suffering. But the suffering of Jesus was more intense and ravaging than any of us can understand. Generally, we Christians accept what God offers without realising the pain and heartbreak of that divine sacrifice. Yet Jesus submitted to cruel physical suffering. He was scourged with whips, 
Soldiers drove nails through his hands and feet. They pressed a crown of thorns on his head so that the thorns tore his flesh and blood flowed down. They spit on Jesus and struck him in the face. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours. The sun blazed down on him. Fever filled his pain-soaked body. An indescribable thirst gnawed away at his mouth, his tongues, his tongue and his throat. Spiritual suffering may be seen in the cross. Not only spiritual suffering, but emotional suffering. You see, the Romans exposed the suffering Messiah to the gaze to the gazing curious crowd as they surrounded him around the cross. Jesus' clothing was taken from him and, and was distributed among the soldiers. When we look at paintings of the crucifixion, we see Jesus' modesty covered, but in reality he was stark naked on the cross with all that humiliation uh, that that brought. But Jesus also bore the weight of our sin and the wrath of God. Jesus experienced the suffering of abandonment. We read in Matthew, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus suffer? He suffered for you and for me on our behalf, in our place. Jesus was called to suffer, but Peter says that we are also called to suffer. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus intimated that suffering would be part of the Christian life. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are you, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And the apostles experienced suffering. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. We are called to endure suffering in the same way as Jesus handled suffering. He submitted but did not allow suffering to deter him from his mission. Neither did suffering cause him to sin. And we are called to suffer, not suffering because we uh, institute the, the uh, rage of others, not suffering because of what we've done wrong or wrong choices that we make, but simply because of the opposition that there is to Christ and to his followers. The cross is also a reminder of the sinlessness of Christ. Peter says he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Jesus lived every moment of his life without committing a single act of sin. Everyone else in the world has sinned and come short of God's glory. Jesus alone was sinless. The cross held a man who knew no sin he did not die because of his personal guilt. Jesus simply became sin for you and me. To follow in Jesus' steps, we are called to live holy lives. 
We should never toy with sin. We should never be seeing how close to the edge of sin we can get without actually sinning. Rather, we should uh, run away from every hint of sin. We should always resist the devil. Our prayer ought always to be, Deliver me from evil. God's people are known as holy people or saints. That is why Paul could address the church at Ephesus, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to God's holy people, that is the saints, in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And if Paul were writing today, Paul could equally as truthfully say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints at Edak, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Thirdly, the cross is a reminder of the submission of Christ. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. The trial and suffering and death of Jesus reveal a a unique kind of surrender and submission. Jesus offered no resistance, no reviling, no revenge, even when the horrors of the cross burst upon him. Jesus submitted himself to those who accused him falsely. He was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, and yet Jesus suffered 40 days of of fasting in the desert. Obviously he wasn't driven by food. Jesus submitted to those who accused him him and his family of immorality. Jesus was born out of wedlock. Mary was pregnant before she was officially married to, to Joseph. Jesus submitted himself to those who said his works were unspiritual. They, those uh, accused Jesus of doing all the miracles that he did through the power of Satan. He submitted himself to those who twisted his sayings and Jesus submitted to those who designed his death. He lived his life in submission to those who exercised authority over him. How did Jesus exercise submission? What can we learn to help us navigate a world of atheistic leaders? And I think There are three things that are necessary. Firstly, Jesus had a comprehensive knowledge of the scriptures. Whenever he was tempted or tested, he replied with the scriptures. We likewise need to know the scriptures well to understand God's position on various issues. It's not enough just to have a Bible. It's not enough just to read bits of the Bible that appeal to us. We need to be able to navigate our way through the scriptures in a way that gives us a comprehensive knowledge so that we can refute those who uh, say wrong things or those who uh, misrepresent um, Christianity. Secondly, Jesus had a perfect relationship with his Father. 
We will not be able to be submissive if we neglect to maintain a close walk with God. We need to be in close communion with our Heavenly Father to know how He would have us respond in each situation in which we find ourselves. We need to be listening to the Holy Spirit so that we know what God is saying. And thirdly, Jesus understood that sovereign God was the final arbiter and judge. He could leave each wrong done to him to the care of his Father who would deal justly with the perpetrator. We also need to leave all those wrongs and hurts done against us with Almighty God who will vindicate us and deal justly with those who hurt us. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So the cross reminds us of the suffering of Jesus and our call to suffering. It reminds us of the sinlessness of Christ and our call to a holy life. It reminds us of the submission of Christ and our call to submit not only to the authorities and the leaders, but to submit to one another as Christians, uh, loving each other and encouraging and building one another up. And fourthly, the cross is a reminder of the sacrificial love of Christ. Jesus took our sins upon himself. He became sin for us and took the guilt of our sin in his own body and soul. He gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins, dying in our place. Out of his great love, Christ took our place, paid the price, and set us free from sin's debt. The great artist Rembrandt painted a number of scenes of the crucifixion. But in one of his paintings, if you look very closely at the crowd gathered around the cross, mocking and reviling Jesus, you will discover a self-portrait of Rembrandt. You see, Rembrandt understood that he was as guilty as the mob gathered around the cross. You and I stand at the cross too. We share the guilt of Calvary. Our sins helped to nail Jesus to the cross. He died for you and for me, and the result of his sacrificial love is available to all who will put their trust in Jesus. Peter calls upon us to love with sacrificial love. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. The call to love includes the requirement to submit to one another in love, not insisting on our own preferences or demanding our own rights. As Jesus loves us and gave himself for us, so we are to show that same love to each other and give ourselves to one another in humble service. So then, as we reflect on the message of the cross, 
we remind ourselves that we are called to a life of suffering, of being misunderstood, misrepresented, maligned, a life that at times may be difficult, but we are called to follow in the footsteps of our Lord and Saviour. We are called to a life of holiness, resisting the devil and endeavouring always to do good. We are called to a life of submission. Submission to those who rule over us, submission to one another in love, and above all, submission to Jesus, leaving the outcome to God for vindication. And we are called to a life of sacrificial love, loving the brotherhood, his body, the church, sacrificially. That means going out of our way to help, to bless and to encourage one another. As we reflect on the cross, the challenge to each of us is, how do I measure up? How well am I doing in suffering, saintliness, submission and sacrificial love? That's the challenge that comes to each of us who call ourselves Christians.